Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I want to begin today. Today is a precursor to a series that we're getting ready to begin next week. All of our campuses combined are going to join in for a series called The Gift. I'm going to be preaching it, but we're going to all do it together called The Gift. And of course, the gift in this season that we're talking about is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, this message is a bit of a, a prequel, if you will, to the movie that's coming out next week. How many of you enjoy prequel movies? Anybody like prequel movies? Tough crowd again. Last service, nobody likes prequel movies. If you're wondering what that is, what a prequel is, is remember when Star Wars came out, the original Star Wars in like the 70s, okay? But then in the 90s, the late 90s, they came out with the prequel to the movie that you saw in the 70s, right? And that was, that was the backstory of what you enjoyed in the 70s. And so that's called a prequel. It's giving you the context and the lead up to the story. It's the story before the story. And so this morning's message is a bit of a prequel. It's a bit of a story before the story about the thing that people all over the world are celebrating. So that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Some of the, the, the hope that the people held on to for this promise that we now celebrate. Now, before I dive into that, how many of you have ever been waiting on God for something and everyone around you thought you were crazy? Ever had that moment where you had this assurance or this peace and you knew, I have a promise from God, so it really doesn't matter what people say. I'm going to hold on to this even when it makes me look foolish. Many of us have found ourselves in that place. Some of you are still in that place. Some of you are waiting on God to give you that spouse. And you have that high, somebody said amen or something, I heard. <laughs> but you're waiting on God. And, and here's the thing, people around you, you may have good, I'm not talking about ridiculous standards, but you have good high standards and things that you refuse to compromise on until God sends you that person. And everybody around you says, so maybe you should change that. Maybe you should just kind of lower you. Maybe you, you're a little, you want a little too much, but you know that if, I'm, if I compromise on this, I'm compromising on what God's promised me. Yeah. And I'm not willing to lower my standards. And I'll just tell you, single people, for those of you that are in that place, if you lower your standards and you just marry anything, you'll regret it. You'll regret it. Keep your standards high. Keep believing God for the best that he has for you. The best that he has for you. Some of you are waiting on the spot. Some of you are waiting on the right job. I'm praying for the right job, Pastor Gavin. But listen, you need a job now, but you need, you're praying for a different job, the right job. Listen, keep praying. Keep believing. And some of you have, have had that moment when you don't know exactly what it is that you're waiting for, but you know that what you have is not it. And so you're holding on to the promise and you're waiting for God to do something. And there are many times when there, you have a lot of reasons to question 
A lot of reasons to doubt, maybe even some reasons to just give up, and it doesn't feel like you have a lot to stand on except for this one very important factor that is the whole point of our message today. And here's that factor. He said it. Those three words. Those, those three words can change everything in your life, everything in your situation, everything that you're hoping for can be built on those three words. He said it. God said it. There's power in those words. And so again, I want to read a scripture to you and then we're going to, I want to take you down a little journey this morning. As we the prequel again before the story, before the movie that comes next week. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, this is what it says. It says, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God don't miss what I'm about to say. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Now, the Bible says something very important. It says God sustains everything. He holds it all together. I, it's amazing to me how science thinks that they can disprove God when all they're doing is simply trying their best to give an explanation to how he did what he did. He holds everything together. God to this day still holds gravity together. God to this day is the one that keeps the sun shining. He's the one that has the moon and the stars. He holds it all together. But I want you to see how the Bible says he holds it all together. He holds it all together by the mighty power of what? His command. That means that by his word. Everything in the universe is held together by the word of God. Why is there light? Because God spoke it and then it was. Why are there fish in the sea and land on the animals? I mean, animals on the land, not land on the animals, but animals on the land. Why? Because God spoke it. He said that this is what was going to be, and it was. Why are there crawfish? Praise God, because he said it. God spoke these things. He holds to this day, again, the laws of gravity, the laws of aerodynamics, all of those things were created by God. He spoke those things into existence and therefore they were because his word holds it all together. What am I saying? There's power in the word of God. It's not just a, a little book that we read. It's not just a little something that we, we use to encourage ourselves to feel better about ourselves. No, no, no. His word is what brings life. His word is what brings light. His word holds it all together and sustains it. It all comes from his word. There's power in the word of God. When God says something to this is important for you to know. When God says something, he keeps his promises. It's impossible for God to lie. As a matter of fact, if God did lie, it would all of a sudden be true because he can't lie. He keeps his promises. 
And we're not, I'm not, not going to put this up there, but Jesus said this, and you can look at, look at it yourself. Matthew chapter 24, he says this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. So everything that we trust in, everything we build our lives and everything, we hope for all of those things, as long in heaven and in earth, those things are all going to pass away except for what? His word. His word won't pass away. It's eternal. And I want you to see the attack of the enemy on this very factor that we're talking about. In the very beginning, what was the thing that the enemy attacked with Adam and Eve? When Adam and Eve were in the garden and God said, you can have everything in the garden except for this one tree. Don't touch this tree. From the very beginning, the devil, the serpent showed up and he said this to, the, to Eve. He said, did God really say? From the very beginning, it was an, an, an onslaught, an attack on God's character and God's word. Did God really say that? And I know we, we can see that in the story, but I've got a question for you. Where are you hearing that voice in your life today? Where are you hearing the voice in your life? Did God really say that? Did God really promise you that? Did God really mean that in the Bible? Is that? Because we still hear it today, whether you know it or not. It was the first attack, and that attack is still happening. Did God really say, am I serving God for nothing? Where's all of this going? I mean, look at all that I gave up to serve God. And let me put that in perspective for a moment. You gave up going to the club and throwing up in the toilet at 2 o'clock in the morning. You really didn't give up that much. He's given you eternal life and life more abundantly here on the earth. Some of you didn't have family, and he gave you spiritual family. But we say to ourselves, is this all worth it? Where is this whole thing going? How about this one? Is Jesus really God? I mean, I know I'm a Christian and I believe that, but is Jesus really God? Because I have a friend who's a Muslim. I have a friend over there. He's, you know, they, they believe in, in this. And, and I have a friend who's an atheist and they, they all sound kind of convincing. Is, is Jesus really God? Yes, he is. Why? Because his word says so. Well, that sounds like a circular reasoning. No, that's called truth. It's called truth. The Bible promised that he is, so therefore he is. How about this one? The Bible says that I'm a new creation, Pastor Gabe, but this, let's just be honest. This past week I was around my family, and they don't see the new me. They just look at the old me. They look at the, every time they see me, they don't see all the changes and all the stuff that God's done in my life and all of the progress. They just see the old me. And you start to question, can I, get, can I be honest and be your pastor for a minute? Many of you had an incredible week. For some of you, it felt like the beginning of just the normal drudgery and the depression and the, the hurt and the bitterness that comes with the holidays for you. And you think that with their, their definition of you is true, but it's not. What God says about you is true. And this is, yeah, no, you can cry, that's good. But this is what God says. God's word says, let God be true and every man a liar. Well, Pastor, I don't, I don't feel like I'm a new creation when I get around 
my family. I don't feel like I'm all of these things that the Bible says about me. And therein becomes a battle. It's a raging battle between what you feel and what God says. See, sometimes it's not just the outer circumstances that attack what God's word says. Sometimes it's your very feelings. I don't feel like I'm any different. I, maybe I've been doing this whole thing, you know, for nothing for the last two years. I've been serving Jesus. And maybe it's for nothing. You're a new creation. Why? Because he said you are. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he said you are. You're a slave to righteousness. You're no longer a slave to sin. Why? Because he said you are. Which one are you going to believe? Your feelings, your family, your circumstances, or the God who said it? Here's the three-word factor that changes everything. He said it. He said it. And again, now we're in the Christmas season. We're officially in the Christmas season. We're really in the Christmas season. For those of you who put up a Christmas tree in August, repent. (laughs) Some of you were on your summer vacations playing Christmas music. You need help. (laughs) Prayer. Our prayer partners will be standing up front at the end of service, especially for you. Now we're really in the Christmas season, okay? And in this season, this is a season that we're celebrating something. What are we celebrating? As I mentioned before, we're celebrating the fulfillment of a promise. A promise that many times in the history of mankind did not look like it was ever going to come. That it was ever going to happen. At times it didn't feel like it, it didn't look like it, people said it wasn't going to happen. All of these things started coming and and happening, but God said it would. So I want us to go on a very brief journey this morning so that you see how big of a deal this was. And I could go all the way back to the time of Adam and Eve, but instead I'm going to go back to this time at the beginning of a race of people. We just... we not ended, we paused our our Walk With Abraham series, but I want to go back to Abraham for a moment. Because 2,000 years before Jesus was born onto the earth, God made a promise to a man named Abram who left Earl of the Chaldeans. And this is what God said to this man. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, he says, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And don't miss this. All the families on earth will be blessed through All of the families on earth, all of the nations of the world will be blessed through you. Now, for those of you that are hoping I don't spoil the series for you, I'm going to, so spoiler alert, but this happened thousands of years ago, so by now, hopefully you've heard about it. But Abraham and his wife end up having a child. Abraham... And Sarah 
give birth to a baby. And this baby is the, not the full fulfillment, but the partial fulfillment of the promise that God made. And he give a son, they give the son a name, Isaac. And everything seems to be going well until a moment when God tells Abram, Abraham, rather, I want you to take your son and I want you to sacrifice him to me. I want you to bring him up to a mountain and I want you to kill him as a sacrifice to me. And Abraham obeys God. Now, for those of you who have teenagers, that would be easy, an easy ask. <laughs> Done, God. <laughs> but for, for Abraham, this was a big deal. This was what he'd waited for, what God had promised him. God said, I'm going to give your descendants this land. Before God even told him, I was going to give you a descendant. But there was a promise inherent in the promise that he was going to give him descendants. And God gave him this son. And now he has this son. And now God's asking him to give it up. How many of you have ever been there when you felt like you were so close to the thing God's been promising you? And now you feel like you have, it feels like you have to let it go. God, what do you mean, let it go? I've been waiting on this. I've been praying for this. And God says, let it go. And that's exactly what he does. And he brings his son up, and he's getting ready to sacrifice his son. And an angel stops him and says, there's a ram in the thicket. God was testing you. And from that moment, this is what God says to Abram, to Abraham, excuse me. Genesis chapter 22, verse 17 says this. I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. And from this, this promise and this testing comes this great people called Israel. Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And Jacob comes along and his, God changes his name to Israel. And Israel becomes the nation that you know of today as a, a country, a nation, a people called Israel. And from there, I want you to hear this. I want you to, to, to remember this. God said, I, I would bless the nations of the world through you. He didn't just say, I would make your, your descendants a nation. He said, I would bless the nations through you. And in Galatians, he says this. Galatians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writes this, talking about one of the promises that God gave Abram. He says, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds meaning many people, but into your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. So all the way back then, God makes a promise to Abram that this Messiah would come, which is what Christ means. Christ, Messiah, the same thing. One's Hebrew, one's Greek, and they all mean the anointed one. That this Christ, this Messiah would come one day, Abram, and it would come through you and bless the nations of the world. And that, that people, Israel, they become a nation, a great nation, and they reach the pinnacle of their success under this king named David and his son named Solomon. 
So right before them, there's a king. They, they go through the time of Moses and getting out of Egypt and going through the wilderness. And then God gives them the land under Joshua. And then they have judges that rule them. And then they say, we want a king. And then God gives them Saul. And then right after that comes the greatest time in Israel's history under David and Solomon. And they're blessed beyond measure, wealthy beyond measure, serving God, a blessed nation. And this King David writes songs that we know as a psalm, we know of as psalms. And we start to see that some of these psalms, God starts giving more confirmation to the promises that he gave to Abram. And we're not going to pull it up, but in one such moment in Psalms 110, while the nation is doing great, Psalms 110 verse 1, when something is said, David says, the Lord said to my Lord, come and sit at my right hand. Wait a minute, it's one Lord. What do you mean? Who's this other Lord? And it's a hint and a seed and a promise of what's to come. And there's other moments that he talks about this king, this, this promised king that's going to come, this Messiah. But from there, things go downhill. And I know I'm giving you a lot of history, but just bear with me. From there, things go downhill. And after Solomon, that nation splits in half. And you have Israel, the northern kingdom, and now Judah because there's infighting. And some of them are just, it becomes more and more and more wicked. And they split in half. And they go from wicked king to wicked king to wicked king. And these wicked kings are all turning them, turning the people away from God. And they start worshiping these false idols and these false gods. And they're trying to be like all of the nations around the world. And they're forgetting about the precious promises that God made to them. They get their eyes on everything else except the God that rescued them and the promises that he's given them. How many of you have ever been there? When you get your eyes on what everybody else has, you get your eyes on what everybody else is doing, and you lose sight of how far God has brought you and what he's done for you in your life and the things that he's promised you. That's where Israel found themselves. And again, they go from chaotic moment, chaotic moment, wicked king, wicked king, and just such a moment, a man named Isaiah shows up on the scene, and he's a prophet. And he goes, God started sending multiple prophets to confront these wicked kings to try to get his people on track. And this king, this, prof, this prophet, excuse me, Isaiah says something that we quote to this day. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, he says this. For a, a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. If you don't know, we sing songs about this. You see banners during this time of year quoting this. And it was said from a prophet to wicked people that were turning and running away from God. And he was warning them of coming judgment that did happen. But he was also giving them a promise that one day this king that's been promised since the beginning of time would come and would rescue you. 
in another such moment, the same prophet. And I want you to remember this. I want you to know this, rather. This promise that's being given is given about 700 years before the time of Jesus. How many of you think you've been waiting a long time for your promise? This is all a part of a big story. And 700 years prior to that, this prophet is showing up and he's confirming to them, the promise is coming. He says this in chapter 7, verse 13. Then Isaiah said, and this time he's, ta- he's speaking to a wicked king, the judgment, he's, he's, God's trying to get these people out of this wicked moment. But even in God looking to rescue them, they're still rebelling against him. And Isaiah says, give, give me some kind of question. What sign do you want God to give you to show you he's going to rescue? And the king says, I don't even know what sign to give. And this is Isaiah's response. Then Isaiah said, listen well, you royal family of David. Isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of God as well? All right then, the Lord himself, since you didn't ask for a sign, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Yet another confirmation of the promise. It's happening 700 years before this happens. And you want to know what happens after that? It'd be great if we could say everything gets great. It gets worse. How many of you know, you've heard the saying, sometimes it gets darker before the sun comes up? It's true. Sometimes while you're waiting on the thing God's promised you, things get worse. But none of those changed this factor. He said it. None of your circumstances changes that. Nor did it did the story of Israel. So their line gets more and more chaotic. And in, in Israel, the, the northern kingdom gets taken away. And then the southern kingdom, Judah, they get attacked because of their sin and their wickedness by Babylon, the greatest nation in the world at that time. And they demolish them. They take their people and they bring them to Babylon, Babylonia, well, Babylon, excuse me. And they, they change many parts of their culture. And they're just trying to hold on to who they are. And they devastate. Jerusalem, they devastate Judah. All the while the people have this promise. And from there, Babylon gets attacked. And then the Medes and the Persians take over Israel. So now they're still going from one hand to the next, not seeing the promise. From there, they're freed for a brief little while until Alexander the Great comes. And then Greece takes over them. And now they're captive under there. And then they're freed for about 100 years. But then, all of a sudden, the Romans come. And then they capture them. And all the while, they're going from hand to hand and problem after problem. But they hold this promise. They hold on to this promise that God said one day king would come. And after thousands of years of waiting, thousands of years of praying, A moment happens in Luke chapter 1 in a little nowhere town in a very small nation that changes all of human history forever. Luke chapter 1 verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph 
a descendant, very important, of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, fulfillment of the promise, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Promise made, promise kept. All of the struggle, all of the reasons to give up, all of the reasons to stop believing, they held on to hope. Why? Because he said it. Why do we celebrate this time of year? Because God fulfilled his promise. And if God fulfilled his promise to people who went in and out of serving him for thousands of years, will he not fulfill his promise to you today? Will he not fulfill his promise? If he said it, we believe it. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what is in front of you. But I do know this. If God said it, it's going to come true. I don't know what you're up against. All I know is you have his promises. Hold on to that. Why? Pastor, why should I keep fighting? I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I keep doing more and more. Because you have a hope. But you have that hope because he gave you that hope. As a matter of fact, I heard something over the last week or the week before that, that in the Hebrew, that word hope is the same word as the word wait. So when we say hope, it's not just I'm being optimistic. I'm hoping because I'm waiting on God. And it doesn't matter what you think about it. If God said it, I believe it. I believe it. Pastor, why do I keep following Jesus? This is hard. I don't understand. I still struggle with sin. I have all these people tell stuff tempting me. Why do I keep doing this? Because he said that if you stay faithful, there's a reward for you on the other side of this. That's why. That's why. Either we believe this or we don't. But one day, listen, it took Israel thousands of years. One day you're going to stand before him and receive your reward for your faithfulness. And you want to know what the Bible says we're going to do when God gives us a crown? You know what we're going to do with that crown? Because we're seeing his glory and his majesty, and we're just so grateful to be there, we take the very crown that he gives us as a reward, and we lay it at his feet because he's worthy of it. That's why we do this. That's why we do this. Fight for the promises. Hold on to what he said. This is hard. He never said it was going to be easy. But what he said is there's a reward on the other end. Stay faithful. Why do I keep praying? Because he's listening. He's listening. Why, I keep, why am I praying for healing? Because he promised that whether on this side of eternity, on the next, you will be healed. That's why we pray. He's listening. Why do we, Pastor, why do I forgive other people that hurt me? Because he told you to. That's why. That's why. Israel waited and the sun came and that is a sign to us 
that if he fulfilled his promises, then he will fulfill his promises to you. God said it, I believe it. I want to pray for you. If you will, please close your eyes and bow your heads. And while you're in that moment of prayer, before I pray, I want to share with you just briefly. When the worship team was up this morning, they were singing that song, Waymaker. And I believe God gave me a picture in my mind, and this is for some of you in this room. I saw ground and I saw it was like someone was digging trenches and there were long trenches and it was just coming up, coming up, coming up, coming up. And what was happening was God was making a way and you couldn't see the way because what God was doing, he was creating a river, he was creating a stream. You don't, you don't dig the the, the ground away from the river right where it starts, you dig away from it until you get to that moment. And some of you were right at the moment where the dam was getting ready to break and the water was getting ready to be released. Here's my challenge for you. Don't give up. You're right there. The race isn't given to the swift. It's given to the one that endures to the end. Hold on to his promises. Fight for fight for that wayward child. Fight for that financial breakthrough. Fight to believe for that spouse. Hold on to his promises. Father, I thank you for your people. Great is your faithfulness to us. You can't lie. You just can't. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us courage today. Literally encourage us. Put courage in us to hold on to the promises of God for that eternal reward that will come one day, as well as for the goodness of God that we'll see in the land of the living. Thank you that if you said it, we believe it, and that settles it. In Jesus' name. Now, with every eye closed and every head bowed, please stay in that moment because speaking of promises, there's a promise made in the book of Romans that many of us in this room have held on to and has changed everything in our lives. And this was the promise that if you believe in the Lord Jesus, that God rose him from the dead on the third day, that you would be given eternal life. You would be saved. And we call that Another place in scripture calls it being born again. Being born again. And that promise is made to those that receive him as Lord. If you believe what God did on the cross when he sent Jesus to die for you there, that you would be given eternal life, that your sins would be forgiven. That is a promise made by God. And it's changed countless millions and billions of people's lives throughout the course of the last 2,000 years. If you're here and you say, Pastor Gabe, I want that. I want to be right with God. I want to be saved. I want my sins forgiven. I want to tell you how. It's as easy as ABC. A, you admit. You admit that you're a sinner. Now that I've made some mistakes and I've made some bad choices, no, there's sin in my life and I've chosen it and it separated me from a sinless, holy God and I'm ready to confess that to him. 
be, you believe. Believe what? That God sent Jesus to die on the cross for those sins so that those sins can be washed away. So that you, your slate could be made clean because of what he's done. And see, you confess. Confess what? That he rose again from the dead. That he is in fact God. And that he is now the Lord of your life and that you will follow him. And if you're willing to do that today, he will meet you right where you're at. And everything in your world will change. Not because I said it, but because he promised it. I want to acknowledge you. I'm going to pray with you and lead you in a prayer of salvation. But I want to acknowledge you. So I want to know who I'm praying with. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to just lift up your hand. Because I want to know who I'm praying with. And all of us are going to pray together. One, two, three three. If that's you, lift up your hand. You say, that's me. I want to be born again. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies, I see your hand. Praise God. It's the best decision of your life. Thank you. I see your hand back there. Thank you. I see your hand. Anyone else? Praise God. Praise God. If you raise your hand, just if you raise your hand, look up at me for a moment. Because I want you to remember this moment. This is the moment that changes everything. From this moment on, never forget this. It's all washed away, and you're brand new. You can put your head down. Church, let's pray this prayer out loud together. Say these words with me. and mean them from your heart. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe on the cross you died for my sin, for my guilt, and for my shame. I believe you faced hell so I would not have to. And you rose again from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with God the Father. So I repent of my sin. I turn away from my sin, and I commit to following you. I'm yours. From this moment on, God, you are my Father. Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, you're my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate with every person that prayed that prayer. Yeah. Welcome to the family of God. Listen, if you're wondering what do I do next, where do I go from here, I want to encourage you with two very brief things. Number one, you to keep coming to church. If you're not from around here, go to a church. Find a good church to be a part of in the community that you're in. Secondly, tell someone about what you've done. Tell someone that Jesus is now the Lord of your life and let them help you grow in your faith. One of the ways you can do that is by taking that connect card in the pew pocket in front of you and filling it out, checking off the boxes that I prayed to be born again. Or you can go to the connect, the QR code behind me and do it on your phone, but welcome to God's family. Our prayer partners are gonna be up front here. If you need prayer for anything, come on, let's stand to our feet. If you need prayer for anything, our prayer partners will be up front. Couple quick reminders before I pray to release you. Don't forget Friends and Family Day next week. If you haven't signed up for one of the the cook-off competitions, you can sign up online. We still have time for you to get into that. But invite your friends and family. It's going to be an amazing day next week. And then also on your way out, don't forget, if you're giving your greatest need or your greatest gift, you can give that to our ushers on the way out. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for your people. I pray you bless them. 
I pray, God, that you would make your face shine on them and give them grace and give them peace. And, Lord, you would bless them in their going out and in their coming in and at all that they put their hand to, God, for the sake of your kingdom. Lord, I pray that as a church, we would be a pure church who walks in the fear of the Lord, that we would be, Lord, a powerful church that walks in the power of the Holy Spirit, and that even in the face of challenges, we would be a persistent church in the name above every name, the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Amen.